Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor, the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle instead of Podbean, also Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Get all of our heat content, dolphin content, and more. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons. Also, check out FiveReasonsSports.com for the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk and others. We do not have a paywall. And the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, Prize Picks. Use the code FIVE, F-I-V-E. We just renewed with them for the year 2023. We appreciate their support and also your support of them because that helps us, but it's also just a great product. Use the code five, get your initial deposit matched up to $100. They do not have rollovers, so it's literally free money to start playing right now. You can play NBA, NFL, NHL, MMA, boxing. Everything is on there. Use the code five, F-I-V-E, double your initial deposit. And also for all your premium CBD, Use the code 5RSN, that's the number 5RSN, at therapistpreferred.com. Get 25% off the tincture, the sports cream, the gummies for recovery, for sleep. I think you probably needed that after the last heat game. Therapistpreferred.com. Use that code 5RSN. And now, today's episode. Down to this Yay. Uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Bucket said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop with one hand. Impact with trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. I got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. Uh, Brady, not with us tonight, but check out his latest film dive. It's on the YouTube channel. He gets into kind of disastrous Miami Heat defense in the fourth quarter where they lose to the Detroit Pistons, a team that was 1-14 and against the East coming in by giving up 38 points in the fourth quarter. I felt like all of them were to Bogdanovich. 38-23, to they get outscored at home by a team that, again, 1-14 and against the Eastern Conference. And so during this game, we were watching. Uh, Alex Brady and I were up there in our usual seats, or what has become our usual seats. And you can see Eric Spolstra. You can see Pat Riley. You can see Andy Ellisberg. And we're just observing the entire scene. I didn't see Mickey. Uh, but, you know, it occurred to us that at some point, we need to address sort of the elephants in the room here which is that they didn't expect this, okay? And, and I understand out there that there is a contingent of Heat fans that was kind of rooting for failure this season, to be right. I don't think we put ourselves in that category because we want to be able to evaluate the team objectively here and react to what's actually happening, okay? And what's actually happening is this isn't going well. They're 11 and 14. We're not going to ignore it. Okay. They're 25 games into the season. They always talk about 20 games being that marker. So now we've passed that. And so we're not going to sit here and blow smoke up your, you know, and tell you everything's great. It's not. Okay. And you can't blame it all on the injuries and guys being in and out because as I was asking Bam and Tyler last night, I'm like, what's different from last season? Because last season, Jimmy missed a ton of time. Kyle missed a ton of time. Tyler missed some time. And Bam missed 
what was it, eight weeks <laughs> because of one injury? And the team kept winning. They finished first in the Eastern Conference. And so this is not just all about losing P.J. Tucker, okay? Something else has gone wrong here from last season to this season. We're bringing back the same team, and it was virtually the same team, okay? They challenged me on it. They're running it back, not running it back. They were going to get Vic. We saw him last night. Uh, healthy at some point. Didn't happen as early as it was supposed to. But we can't ignore the fact that this team is just, A, not playing well consistently, doesn't seem engaged with each other, and connected. And I was talking to a couple of the beat guys about this last night. They're just not fun to watch right now. You know, that's the thing. And, and I think that is reflected too in what we saw in the ticket prices last night. Like on StubHub, you can get in that building for six bucks. And that is not what typically happens the year after finishing first in the East and being one shot away from the NBA Finals. So what we're going to do today is we're going to evaluate how the key people in the organization can change this. What did they do that didn't work and what can they do now that will make it work? And so we're going to focus basically on three different elements. The first is the front office and we're going to, that's Pat Riley. Okay. But it's others in the front office. It's whether it's Andy Ellisberg or Adam Simon and others, they expected this to go better. There's no question. Okay. You don't operate a certain way unless you think it's going to work. Another one is the head coach because the head coach we all believe is one of the best head coaches in the NBA. His job is safe. There's no concern there. But when the organization is basically turning over a team and saying to the head coach, make it work, and it's not working, we need to look at what the head coach is doing right and what he's doing wrong. And the other one is the owner or the Arison family in general, whether it's Mickey or Nick. And what role do they play in this? Excuse me. And we haven't discussed this much at all, but they obviously don't want to put a product out that people don't want to watch. And right now, this is a product that people don't want to watch. And do they bear any responsibility for that? So we're going to go one by one here. I've got Greg. I've got Alex. Let's start here with the front, front office, Greg, because I think that's what most people want to focus on. And that starts with Pat. And Pat plays for championships. Pat goes all in for the biggest stars, okay? He didn't get a big star this offseason. Some of that out of his control. But they went about it to get the biggest star they could. They held off on adding a piece here or a piece there, excuse me, that might have made this team more competitive at the moment for the shot at a Durant, for the shot potentially at a Mitchell, even though they didn't go all in. How did he make mistakes this offseason? Because we have to, again, 11 and 14, this is the third time, and someone had this on Twitter, and I apologize to put it out there. The third time they quote unquote run it back and started 11 and 14 through 25 games. It happened in 2006, 2007. It happened two seasons ago after the final season. And now it's this season, all 11 and 14. What did Pat do wrong? I am spiritually obligated to say, uh, let's go heat Miami heat culture, Pat Riley, the Godfather. No, I'm just playing. We are going to actually unpack this. This is a worthy conversation. And you um, mentioned about uh, the records in through the first 25 games and all of those seasons where they appeared to basically run it back. I want to shout out that uh, Twitter member at Biscayne, Maine, Pook Wade, um, because he also had another interesting tweet uh, related to the fact that basically if you don't 
count like the guys that they retained that were already here or undrafted free agents like Haywood Highsmith or or who they drafted, et cetera. They haven't made a, a transaction in the ledger that relates to acquiring an outside player since Markeith Morris, if I remember how his tweet went, so I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but shout out to him for shining light on both of those things. It's hard to run away from these parallels, right? The fact that like they appear to have a really good team, but they didn't quite get it done. And they bring everyone basically back and it just falls flat. The same magic is, is not there. I don't know what that it factor is. I don't think any of us can really um, qualify that, but, but it's not there this season. And from Riley's perspective, um, it's difficult, right? Because like, and now bear with me here, because there are a couple of different things that I think we should think about in context. He has a boss, right? So if his boss, and we're going to get into him later, so I'm only going to spend a moment here. If his boss gives him certain parameters with which to work with, he can't go outside those parameters. So we need to consider that that could be a possibility. But if you just look overall, for me, it's always been difficult to swallow a player like PJ Tucker, who had the same like UD like PJ Brown like hard nosed vibe. He just fit for him to walk out and then not to bring anyone back at all that even resembles him remotely. That felt a little off kilter. And that's a, a, a roster decision. So I think that that would ultimately land with the front office to some degree to plug that hole. Uh, if, if we're going to start there, I don't think he, he played his KD cards wrong or his Donovan Mitchell cards wrong necessarily. Probably some folks will disagree with me. Um, it's more about that. Like you couldn't find some, and I don't mean like leveraging your assets to go get a short-term fix and compromising your future to do it, but just could any like actual power forward be added to the roster like that that's where i guess i got a little weird um and i'm probably nitpicking to a degree but like that's just the thing that jumps out most is that if you're gonna run it back well then run the whole damn thing back including all your starters so let me counter you a little on this and then i'll go to alex because i do think we need to play sort of devil's advocate on all of these positions to be able to explore them properly again with some nuance and some context okay because things are not as simple as why didn't you go get this guy? Cause you wanted him. I mean, that's, that's not how the NBA works. Okay. Uh, it's not how anything works. Okay. There has to be two sides to every deal. There has to be willing partners. Um, there have to be circumstances that play to your strengths. Okay. And what you can actually offer. Pat Riley has gotten more credit for some things than he's deserved. Okay. The big three is one situation like that, where it doesn't really happen unless Dwayne is here. Right. Jimmy Butler wanting to come to Miami. Okay. That even padded knowledge before that we need somebody to decide that they want to come. Okay. But he's also getting more blame in some circumstances than he's deserved. Okay. And so it works both ways. Okay. When you're, when you're a public figure of this merit of this note of this acclaim, okay. Uh, for this many years, that stuff is going to happen. So let me counter on a couple of things. The fans who, again, were irritated that he didn't go out and get a starting level power forward also would have been incredibly irritated, more irritated if they didn't stay in the game for Kevin Durant. It's just that simple. Okay. So, so trading, if they had made the trade that for, for say a Marcus Morris, a Harrison Barnes, one of these type of guys, uh, he fans would have been apoplectic if Kevin Durant was traded somewhere else and you didn't have that additional asset to move. Okay. So let's, again, let's acknowledge that your point about not getting a starting level power forward. They would have countered and said, well, Caleb Martin, 
has been pretty damn good, okay? In his role, we have argued that it's not the right role for him, but they would say we we signed this guy to a very reasonable contract and he has performed at a level above probably that contract. I, I think that the whole context of this, and this is where we're going to end up getting into Eric Spolstra, below and Mickey Arison and the Arisons above, okay? Is that I think, and I'll go to Alex on this, I think that the organization has fallen into a trap where they have this elite head coach and they basically are saying to this elite head coach, make it work. Okay. And I think this is where some of the frustration from heat fans come in is that you've got a bunch of undrafted guys on the floor. Okay. And I thought uh, Trilly, who we all follow. Okay. Made a good point today. If you're going to take a chance on a guy, maybe it's better to take a chance on a, a guy or play one of these guys uh, or, or try to, you know, a reclamation project with somebody with a higher ceiling than some of the guys that they've turned into NBA players. Okay. So like, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of the Cam Reddish thing. I don't know that he can play. Okay. But I understand the point that like going to get a guy like that, who was a, you know, was an elite high school player who was supposed to be the best player at Duke when he went there you know, you're going to get more out of that ultimately than trying to make the most of a Duncan Robinson who was a division two player or Max Struess who bounced around or a Gabe Vincent who you had to mind. Like these are great stories, but ultimately you hit a ceiling with some of these players. And sometimes you forget that one of the reasons that these guys got to where they are is because Eric Spolstra and his staff molded them. But to then expect that same staff to take them to a higher level is expecting too much. And I think what goes into your point, Greg, and I think this goes to ownership also, if you don't want to pay the tax, okay, and you don't want to fill an additional roster spot because of it, then you're, you're basically saying, okay, you did this with all these undrafted guys, get even more out of them, make it work even better than you did last year. And at a certain point, that doesn't work anymore. And so we'll get into what... Spolster's responsibility. Obviously, this has not been his best work. I would think he would acknowledge that. But I also think that, again, they've fallen into a trap of sort of taking their head coach for granted at the same time as they're propping him up as this great head coach because they're, they're, they're saying he can, he can do it with anybody, right? But then you're not giving him the necessary tools to get the team to the next level. Alex, your, your thoughts generally on what the front office uh, – did this off season or didn't do? Well, I think the didn't do part is a little bit tougher, right? Cause you know, we spent all off season talking about how, you know, it's tough to toe that line when you're trying to be in the game as one of the teams mentioned uh, outright for Kevin Durant, right? It feels like so long ago at this point, like, like it didn't even happen, but yeah, they were, they were mentioned and you know, there was more to it than that. And all of a sudden it was just on that completely changed. I think, the way that everything was going to go this offseason, right? Not that I know anything as far as um, what actually changed, but everything was about trying to make the Kevin Durant thing happen. The Mitchell thing was kind of maybe put off to the side relative to the Durant thing, right? Like it wasn't, you know, on the same priority level. And I understand why you would be all in on those things, right? And they weren't necessarily all in on Mitchell, like you said before. So it's tough to blame them for any of that stuff. You know, people bringing up Jeremy Grant, I get it. He would have been a nice fit. But it's the same thing, you know, I, like I mentioned Brogdon in the past was, would have been a nice fit. It's the same thing. Like, yeah, those guys would have worked out nicely for the Heat, but then you take yourself out of the game for the big hitter, which is what the, the, the Heat always swing for. So I think now, like, you know, we spent the offseason saying how 
they need a four. They're missing a four. Uh, that's obviously been validated. And the whole, you know, they're probably need to make a trade to balance out the roster has definitely been validated. The problem is that they've gotten to this point where the shakeup is badly needed, I think, or maybe, you know, maybe this is just me talking after two very bad losses back to back because no, I've seen the team. Yeah. But that's the thing. I've seen this team compete with the best teams in the league. The problem is that they're not also taking care of business and beating the bad teams and everything is a grind. Um, and, you know, it feels like they need too much to go their way in order to consistently get wins. Everything feels like, you know, you got to grind it out at the last second. Um, they're still a defense first team. And if their defense is not there, their offense is definitely not there. Their offense is not there most of the time. And look, they're 27th in offensive rating right now. That is like, you're in the bottom barrel of the league in offense. And I understand a lot of it has been with guys in and out, specifically Jimmy, who is, you know, your best offensive player and has been your most reliable offensive player throughout this whole thing. He's your superstar. Yes. So maybe they're not bottom five offense bad, but they're not good. It's not good. There's nothing about what you watch and it's, and say it's a good offense. It's like you can get pretty good looks, but they just don't convert at a high enough level. And it feels like, I don't know, there's just a lot going into this because um, they're trying to replicate something offensively that they've done for the past couple of seasons where um, it feels like so much of their shot profile still leans towards the threes. They're, they they also do take a lot of mid-range. You know, it's 12th. It's not anything crazy. And then when you look at the, the amount of shots they get at the rim, it's in the bottom six or seven in the league. Like, that, I, I, I know I go back to that a lot. I just – I don't think you can make that work with this roster. And they just don't have the shooting to, to replicate what they did last season, number one in the league. It, that has not been anywhere near that, this case. And they did it, I think, in the first uh, season of Jimmy. So when that shooting is not falling, when that three-point shooting is not falling, everything else looks even worse, right? Like they don't get to the free throw line enough like I think you would expect. And uh, but, but Alex, you, problems, you, everything just, you know what I mean? Everything is just kind of, you have one thing making something else look worse and it's just kind of like a cycle at, at this point. I'm with you on all that. And so that's why I would ask this question because a lot of these things we've talked about or are talking about, we did talk about this off season as potential trouble spots for them. Like we, we knew they would have some issues that as a one seed, not that they were, that maybe they could hold it down throughout, you know, through this right. point of the season. That's the not, problem. They had not held it down. Not that they were a fraudulent one seed, but that they were essentially things had to break right. Okay. For it to work. I think the one thing, and that's why I kept asking these questions in the locker room yesterday, the one thing that is odd to me is that they were able to make it work even with pieces missing last year, and they've not been able to do that in any way this year. They're I'm not a body language guy generally. Their body language is off this year. It does not look like they like playing together this year. Um, it doesn't look like the guys are as comfortable in their roles this year. And you can sense that even with some of Tyler's comments and some of Bam's comments in the locker room yesterday. It's just, it, they're not saying it flat out, but it's just, you just feel it. I've been around enough teams. I've covered this team since I'm old, as, as my daughter reminds me. Uh, I, I mean, I've been around this team since 1997, 1996, 1997. I mean, I, I know when a team has a good vibe and when it doesn't. The 2013-14 team, which was not a run it back team. I mean, actually it was a run it back worse team because, uh, again, they, they let Mike Miller go in amnesty. If you recall, 
Um, they tried to replace with guys like Tony Douglas and Michael Beasley, your, your guy, Alex. Uh, Dwayne was not Dwayne was not playing a whole lot. <laughs> that was annoying LeBron. Ray Allen was sick of Spo. There were a whole bunch of things that were going on that you just knew it was like a, not a good vibe. And Chris Bosh, who never spoke out about this kind of things, I remember him in New Orleans one night. His game Dwayne didn't play, and Bosh kind of went off in the post game. And it was like you just felt all that frustration was bubbling up the whole year. Like they knew. I feel it now. It doesn't. It doesn't feel. And that team won more games than this one has, obviously. It doesn't feel like they're, I just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like they're on the same track. And so I'll ask this question because right now we're looking at this, Greg, there's no way around this. Okay. And and people can call us sunshine pumpers. We're not sunshine pumping tonight. I I tweeted this this morning. The Miami heat are 25th in the NBA in net rating. The only teams that are below them are Charlotte, Houston, Orlando, Detroit, and San Antonio, you know what those five teams have in common? Those were all considered to be tanking teams before this season. The Heat are literally the worst team in the league by net rating of the teams that were not tanking coming into this year or a soft tank or whatever it is you want to call it, repositioning. We can't get around it. So I'll ask this to piggyback off of Alex's comments here. All the things that we're talking about, they don't get to the rim, okay? Uh, they the, the shooting is basically a replica of what we saw in the playoffs last year. It's just that Jimmy carried them. Like the shooting fell off a cliff in the postseason. Mm-hmm. A lot of the same guys who are struggling now are guys who struggled in the postseason last year. So, I mean, should they have seen this coming? I guess is the question because, because that plays into what they could have done about it. I think you and I are in agreement that, there were certain things they they may have wanted to do, but didn't do, couldn't do because they had to hold out for the the possibility of somebody like Durant. But but should they have seen like that it would fall off a cliff like this? I guess. I mean, I'm sure that there'll be some out there that say absolutely. It was so clear we were saying it to everybody in the middle of the summertime, and now you guys are just catching up. Um, but I think that there was some uh, there was some credibility to like seeing what this team looked like and what Spo could work with. Like, I guess where I'm at um, in terms of them seeing this coming is that the one thing they did over the summer that I didn't love other than obviously not make any other upgrades is like, I felt as if Bam and Tyler were kind of in limbo as the KD and the Donovan stuff uh, stretched out. Bam was never obviously on the table, and I believe he was probably told that. But it just felt like the team expected to be different, and now they're not. And and they came back, and they're like, wait a minute. All these same guys are here, and I didn't expect all these same guys to be here. And as far as, like, it's a little Monday morning quarterback to be like, Oh yeah, they should have seen this coming. But I guess the one thing we can say is that to expect to be the best three point shooting team in the league year over year over year is probably a little unrealistic. And I also think that when you have PJ Tucker leave, who was a starter on an Eastern conference game seven type team, it looks a little arrogant in retrospect now that you didn't get anyone at all to replace either his skill set or to your point about rim pressure. Like I thought, I guess that was supposed to be Oladipo, but it, it just feels like, I don't know that they could have seen this coming, but there's small tweaks you can do to re-energize and do like kind of um, just 
a reshuffle in certain positions or stuff like that. And that's where it feels a little complacent because like literally they were relying on internal development only. The 0607 team, by the way, um, that got swept off the floor by Chicago in the first round. And I think a lot of Heat fans would take that outcome right now with, the, with how things look, because at least you made the playoffs. Um, that team, we talked, that team came back completely intact. I mean, I, I think there was like one or two pieces at the back end. Okay. That team was held together by a string to win a championship, a string and a Dwayne Wade explosion. Okay basically to win a title and it fell apart. I think predictably, a lot of us predicted it um, at, t- at the time. Uh, the, the team from two years ago though, ha- has more parallels to this team. I, I think, because again, it's replacing a starting um, small forward, excuse me, power forward uh, or not replacing him. Cause they tried with Mo Harkless on a, on a minimum basically that year. And they, they took a flyer on it that or Myers Leonard working out. It didn't work out. Um, and then there were role changes that year, right? I mean, there's one consistent thing there. They tried to put Tyler Hero in the starting lineup. That's the second time they've done that. And this time he's playing much better than he did that time, but the results are not better. And I, I've made this point too, uh, where, you know, it's this weird thing. And I hope Tyler hasn't taken it personally because it's not a shot at him, even though I saw he liked the tweet. They don't play well when he plays well offensively. They have, they are... He is averaging now after last night over 25 points a game in their losses that he plays, nine losses, and he's averaging 15 points a game in their eight wins, okay? So it's not working, okay? It's it's not working, but I'm not blaming that on Tyler, okay? It's a collective thing that it's not working, but that's essentially, the, the, that to me, those that's the this is the parallel to two seasons ago. It's It's not replacing a power forward and putting Tyler in the starting lineup. I mean, Greg, is that, and I'll go to Alex on this. I mean, does that, does it seem like two years ago to you? Ethan, let me sneak something in. I just want to sneak. Uh, I want, I want, want to understand from your perspective, because you're asking us all the questions. I want to know, I want to pick your brain on something yeah. quickly. Sorry, Alex, to just dive in here. Do you think it's more on Kyle, Tyler, Jimmy, and Bam to make that big four work? Or is that more on Eric Spolstra? Well, I think it's a little of both, okay? And this is where a lot of people bear responsibility for this. Um, Jimmy has to play, okay? And and this is another of, of the kind of weird issues this year where it's like you don't really know if you can even blame anybody for, for it, right? Because I think all of us sort of understand that Jimmy needs to be managed at this stage of his career, Okay. I think all of us understand that Jimmy needed to be resigned for the max, right? So nobody is questioning. This is not like resigning Hassan Whiteside to the max, right? There's no, there was no division about this, and there shouldn't have been. Jimmy Butler deserved a max contract, not just for what he's done, which is basically resurrect the franchise, okay? But for what you expected him to do in the biggest moments if you were that kind of team that was going to get to those moments. You need a Jimmy Butler. So I don't think anybody's saying they shouldn't have maxed him out. And I don't think anybody is saying that they should push him for 82 games at 36, 37 minutes a game, but it's just a reality when he doesn't play, they're not good. <laughs> and so we're, we're asking for their, t- their big four, so to speak. And I thought it was interesting that Eric Spolster categorized it that way when he's never done that before. It was almost like he's trying to bring it out of them and trying yeah. to get them to take responsibility for it together. You guys are our four guys, right? 
But then you also look at it this way. You had to make Jimmy happy while he's here. That's part of the Jimmy Butler experience. And part of that was signing Kyle Lowry to a contract that at this stage of his career, he does not deserve. He deserved it for what he did before, but not for what he's going to doing now or going to do towards the end of it. Right. So again, do you blame Jimmy for that? No, he wanted to play with Kyle Lowry. Okay. Who's going to be a hall of famer. Most likely. Do you blame the front office for that? No, they have to appease their best player, particularly when that best player can be a little bit volatile. But again, it's just another reality, okay? And then you look at the, the Bam and Tyler thing. Okay, Bam, you gave him the extension when he wanted it instead of what would have been best for the franchise. Do you blame Bam for that? No. Do I blame the organization for that? No, it's just a reality that put them into this situation. These issues are not, you don't need to throw blame at everybody for everything. Okay. Which again, I think on Twitter is a favorite pastime. The Tyler hero situation. He wanted to start, right? Yes. Did he deserve to start? Yes. Has he earned that spot? Yes. Do I blame Tyler for it? No. Is it working? No. <laughs> right. I mean, I think again, this is what we're talking about with nuance. So then it does get to Eric Spolstra. And so you're basically saying, Eric Spolster, okay, take these four pieces that don't fit, okay? Bam and Jimmy are not natural. And we are, Alex, I promise you, I'm letting you in here in a second. Bam and, Bam and Jimmy are not, are not a natural fit as the top two players on your franchise as offensive players. They need buffers between them. They don't have great offensive chemistry. We know that, okay? It's not, it's not a personality thing. It's just, it's the way they play, okay? Kyle at this stage needs, he still needs the ball on his hands. Most of the time, Tyler needs the ball on his hands. Jimmy needs the ball on his hands. Bam needs the ball on his hands. So you got four guys in the starting lineup who need the ball in their hands. Okay. And you got the fifth guy, Caleb Martin is playing out of position. You're telling Spo to put this thing together. You're telling him to make it work with a bunch of undrafted guys who really are only in the position they're in because of him, not because of their great talent. I mean, it's our own work ethic and, and give them all credit for that. But they had a lot. He had a lot to do with it. His staff, Quinn, others, the staff had a lot to do with it. So you're telling him just make it work. But we have to acknowledge this season he's not making it work. So are we going to throw all the blame on him for that? No. Does he deserve some of it? If we're going to call him the best coach in the league, then the answer to that is yes, right? So I, that's where I get into all this, and then we come back. We'll get a nuance on it, but I think everybody wants us to pick a side on this. And the reason I wanted to do this topic is I think there's culpability for everybody. And then in some situations, there's culpability for nobody. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just the way that this thing is playing out where right now, if you are 25th in the league in net rating and the five teams that are below you were tanking, okay, or soft tanking this season or repositioning, whatever it is you want to call it, you are a bad basketball team. You are because teams ahead of you have lost players too. the Clippers have been playing without Kawhi Leonard healthy the entire you just go through the list. The Phoenix Suns have been without Chris Paul and others. They were against Miami. They're Every tops team. in the West right now. The Golden State Warriors have been playing without guys and one guy punched another guy in the face in practice. The Boston Celtics lost their head coach and they haven't had Gallinari, who was one of the key additions. Milwaukee started can't the season win without Jimmy. That's the biggest difference between this year and last year. Like they were able to right. win games last year without guys in the lineup and i know they've done a good job competing without jimmy but they can't they're bad without jimmy and then like you look at the numbers and i'm not going to get into everything right now but I, like i don't agree that jimmy and bam don't play well together they always have great two-man i mean um two-man lineup data together even though their two-man game is not necessarily the greatest like they get good stuff out of it a lot of the stuff shows you know they're starting five even with tyler there is still positive 
a lot better with Max, but like there's indicators here. And by the way, with the net rating stuff, adjusted for strength of schedule, uh, their net rating is 18th instead of 25th, which is not very good. I'm just saying like there's indicators here that their best players are still good, even though they're not the greatest fit together. They're getting good minutes out of their best players, even when they do play together. The thing is, they have their no bench lineups that are working out for them right now. They, they don't have their rotations figured out. And then you talk about like their offense. It's it's a lot worse. Like what they have right now, this formula that they have is not working. But there's indicators that like the top of the the core there is still good. But should they? Okay, but some of this stuff, and then we are going to go to break here because we're going to kind of resettle this and 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 because I, I do want to get into specifically. Uh, you know, now, you know, drill down a little bit more on again, ownership, front office coach. Okay. But Greg just put it up. They've gone from first to 29th in bench, bench scoring. So we asked the question again, should they have seen that coming? And again, this is another situation where it's kind of like you can blame them or you cannot blame them. Okay. And it's a little bit of all of it. Well, they were counting on Victor Oladipo to be healthy to replace Tyler heroes bench scoring. Okay. But Victor Oladipo was never healthy. So can you blame them for the sunshine pumping themselves on that, that they, they anticipating because he had a good off season that his body wasn't going to break down again. That's part of it. The other thing is we talk about the shooting, right? But if you knew you were going to play Duncan Robinson less, and even if you played him that he wasn't maybe going to play at the level that he did when he was carrying some of your three point shooting for a period of time, shouldn't you have seen that coming? that you weren't going to have Duncan Robinson in your regular rotation. So you were taking out a guy who at one point was basically shooting 11 threes a game at a 45% clip. This is all, all of these things we can say they should have seen some of it coming, but it's almost like in every possible circumstance, it is broken as badly as it could possibly break. Okay. And so I do think, again, there's blame to go around. And there's also things that are being blamed for that they shouldn't be blamed for. Let's uh, after the break, I, I want to drill down on this specifically because kind of how they get out of it, because as Bam said yesterday, this locker room is solution oriented, right? Okay. So we'll actually try to come up with some potential solutions. I don't know if our locker room is, is solution oriented, but we're going to pretend. All right. We do want to tell you about a couple of sponsors of five reasons sports network. This is my best segue ever to a sponsor. ODM performance solutions. You know, team building is hard. Just ask the heat right now. ODM PSI can help you find a winning team and keep it together. If you're looking to fill an important role at your company, ODM PSI can help you find C-suite level leadership, sales rainmakers, plus management and operational support staff. To find out more, check out odmpsi.com. That's odmpsi.com. Or give them a call at 954-434-0634. That's 954-434-0634. Three, four. We also want to mention our betting partner. It's betteredge.com. That's with an O in it. Use the code there, 5RSN, and you get $20 to play. This is peer-to-peer betting. It is totally legal in the state of Florida and 44 other states. Go to betteredge.com. Again, use the code 5RSN, $20 to play. The cool thing about it is you can find the line that you want, uh, which can be really useful, actually, because it's been really useful for me. And you also uh, can play in our competitions. We do a, a football competition every single week. And we're going to do a bowl, bowl season competition coming up starting this week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
All right, so let's let's go through this a little bit, Greg, more specifically, okay, on where they go. Because this has been an organization where it has always seemed like everybody is aligned, right? Ownership, front office, coach. We're not talking about the coach being fired. That doesn't happen with the Heat. We're not talking about Pat Riley giving up on this and walking away. He's not going to Malibu right now. Okay, he's going to try to solve this. Ownership is not selling, okay? <laughs> and I don't think Heat fans want them to. So they're in this together, okay? They need to figure this thing out. But I think all of them, if they want this to be what it should be, what we expect the Heat to be, not what we've expected the Dolphins to be or the Marlins to be or the Panthers to be, but what we expect the Heat to be, okay? Which is an aligned organization that picks a direction, follows that direction, executes it, and is usually successful, okay? Even when things break against them, even when Zoe gets sick, even when Bosch gets sick, even when trades Juwan Howard is, you know, the, the you know, Riley goes to the proctologist because Juwan Howard is taken away from them and they go get Dan Marley and they fix it. They find a way to fix things. They course correct, right? That's what they're good at. So they all need to course correct. So let's start here. Okay. I, I think that uh, they need to basically stop saying, wait until we get healthy. To me, to me, that that is the thing on this because NBA teams are not healthy anymore. <laughs> no. Right? Well, but there, there's an even bigger thing they need to say because, or they, they don't even need to say it. I think that there needs to be a decision and maybe we're just going to see the decision by virtue of actions, right? So it's like, do you believe in this build? Do you believe in this core? Well, if you do, then make the necessary moves, financial implications basically be damned and fix it take a risk take a shot make a big time trade of some kind right so it's like but i think that where heat fans hesitate to get their hopes up is that it appears as if and because andy is great with the cat the calculator they're just you know what are they like 100k away from the tax right now it's like almost like so perfectly done that it stings even more when they really, really need more reinforcements. They have dead roster spots. They let exceptions not be spent. And so then you have to ask yourself, are you going to pay to fix this? And do you need to pay to fix this? Because like pay can mean two different things, right? It can mean take on more salary or it can mean sacrifice assets to try to make this better. And to me, like we're at a spot where they have to pick that direction. Are they going to try to salvage this or are they going to say, this is a, you know, we're just going to let this ride. And to your point, if they continue to just say, let's wait to see if this thing's getting healthy, that gives off very much the, we're just going to see this thing to the finish line because we don't want to get involved in transactions that could bring us any closer to the tax. And that hurts. And so like, I guess as we start to hone in on what they can do to fix this and be solution-minded. We, part of this is understanding what tools they have in their tool bag, because if they don't have the ability to spend any money, because the owner has put an absolute mandate that you are not going into the tax this year, and you may have to just shed guys to stay under the tax next year. What do you, what do we expect them to do at that point? Well, let's, okay. So let's get more specific on that. Okay. So we'll start with ownership. Because again, there's different ways to look at this. One way to look at it is, well, you don't have all the tools at your disposal until all of these contracts are tradable, right? So you don't want to make a trade 
that, you know, you wouldn't make otherwise because you don't have, say, Deadman's contract to throw in until mid-January, right? So it's sort of understandable that you want to have all your ducks in a row, have all the pieces available, and you also want to see which teams are going to be selling at that stage. And we've talked about the Wemby sweepstakes, which we did not expect the Heat to be in, but those five teams below them certainly are, and they still have useful pieces. After all, a couple of those teams have beaten Miami, okay? So (laughs) including the one that we saw come into the arena and and drop 38 in the fourth quarter. And so when when you're looking at that, you say, okay, you want to wait until you can make the best possible trade with the most players available. You don't want to jump on a player that's not as good as the one that you may be able to get in a month when you have more contracts again to move and you have other guys that teams are just looking to move because they want to get worse, okay? Or they want to drop a contract that's not useful to them. So I get that. But I think your other point on this is also valid, okay? Which is that if you are one shot from the NBA Finals, then you are a team that is close enough to pay the tax for one seed. Right. Because what we've always heard over the past 20 years or whatever, and Pat Riley has said this publicly when he's been asked is that ownership will pay for a team that can contend. Right. So what was this team last year? Because, because if, if you don't think this is a team that can contend, then here's the other part of this. And I'll finish this thought and then go to Alex. If you don't think this was a team that could contend, then you're, it does come back to you knew that this team wasn't that good, but that Eric Spolster basically worked magic for you last year and that you're essentially throwing it on Eric to do that again, okay? And he's not doing it right now. And so then fans are starting to look at him, but maybe it's the material that was made to look better than it was. I will say this again, and I've always said this. You cannot name a player who left Miami during the Eric Spolstra developmental stage here, okay, of this organization who got better when he went somewhere else. It, that player does not exist. No, Tyler, Johnson, Tyler Johnson, Hassan Whiteside, even Wayne Ellington, just go down the list. None of them get better when they leave because the raw material is not what this coaching staff made it to look like when they were here. And that's always the argument that we used, okay, when we said, why are you paying these guys? Because they'll just find another one, right? Whether it's the, the, the Simons and the cameras or whatever, turning it over, or Keith Askins, whoever it is, turning it over to Spolster and his staff and then, then finding a way to develop those players. So I guess the question is this, all right? If you thought this team was, was <laughs> if you thought this team was good enough to compete for a title, then you should be willing to pay the tax because those opportunities don't come up that often, right? But if you didn't think it was good enough to compete for a title, then, then why'd you run it back? Too much of your head coach, right? So I, I you know what I'm saying? Like I, th- that's that's kind of where I come down on it. And and so now if we're to say, okay, now they're 25th in the league in net rating, 18th, you know, adjusted based on schedule, whatever. So now, okay, now they're not worth paying for because they're not good enough but you kind of put them in the position that they're in right now. Right. Is that, mm-hmm. am I talking in circles? Or does any of that make sense? No, I, I, I like the way that you're, you're doing it, that you're painting it because you're letting everybody kind of go on this mental journey with you. And I get it because I it's, we're trying to break down like how this all came to be. Right. And look, my, my stance on it is I, like you could say that Spoh's not having his best season and you know, he's not, but, I don't think he's having a bad season. I think the roster is what it is. I think 
Um, we may have been led to think that their offense is going to be a lot more um, productive and just competent in general. That's it's not been the case, you know, like, you know, even though, again, they can score when all their best players on the floor together, the team as a whole is not better than the sum of its parts. OK, I'm, I'm hesitating because I'm terrible at repeating common phrases, commonly held phrases, but really like they were, they're not able to get that quote unquote magic because everybody is kind of out of the roles. Like they're, they're, everybody's playing different roles. Everybody's doing a little bit too much. They don't have quite as much shooting. The shooters that they do have playing are not shooting individually at the same level. The only person whose three point percentage is held true. Um, and shout out to Giancarlo Navasipi who was talking about that tonight was Caleb. Yeah, And you know, it's not just about individual guys. I just think like, the way that this has been put together, what they have out there is making it harder on the guys that they had, you know, playing above their heads to actually play at that same level. Again, Caleb has still been really good. Max still can make threes. You know, it's not that they're worse. It's that all of this together does not work. Like the formula is not working together. It's, I think it's less about the core four and more about the team in general. And so, yeah, I completely agree. Like if, you were the one seed. You were in the conference. You were up in the conference finals, a second away from being in the finals. You were in the finals uh, three seasons ago. Do you believe this team is a contender? If so, you know, spend it to the luxury tax. But even then, even then, let's say they don't, and, and we know that they don't want to get into the luxury tax, right? Even if they do, quote unquote, think this team is a contender, right? We can talk about how that's a intellectual dishonesty. You can still be creative. And Andy Ellisberg is the best at being creative with, trades and things of that sort because i do think they have to they have to do something at this point like i think it's, it's become all too clear that it's not working obviously certain contracts don't get movable until january 15 so that's the i think the point where it becomes more realistic but i think they're at the point and Leif said it on last night's five on the floor where they're, they're gonna have to swing for multiple pieces because they're not a guy away like they need to fix the makeup of this roster it's not you know they have good players but all of it together is not working the way you want it to. And Alex, you, let, let, before let, getting even, even into matchups in the playoffs that we're, you know that they're not going to be um, like well-situated for. So I think it's on the, the front office, whether they can spend or not into the tax to make something happen. Because what they have right now, you can't go into the playoffs and, and feel good about it. It's just not going to end well. And it's going to be, and you know, everything that we, you know, that Heat fans have not wanted to happen, which is a sequel of, the second season with Jimmy Butler, a sequel of these other quote unquote, run it back seasons. To that point though. So, and I'll go back to you on this, Greg. To that point, if we talk about spending into the tax, okay. If, if they'd gotten Kevin Durant, they would have spent into the tax, right? I, I think willingly, like they would have done that. So I think their counter, cause again, I'm trying to present all sides to this. Okay. Is well, okay. Would adding, would filling the last roster spot. Okay have changed what this looks like probably not right no. okay no that's okay. not what i'm referring to by going into the tax okay so no so specify because i just i just want to be, yeah. be clear about because i do i know some heat fans will point to that and we're going to say that's stupid just like we said that like you know udonis using someone's roster spot that whole argument is stupid that you give ud that spot because that's not going to make a i mean you do in my view contributes more than a guy that would have you know been in that role your your issue about the tax is what? Yeah, shout out to Chris Posada because he was on Twitter and he corrected me about this and I agree with him. Like this isn't about um, a vet minimum player that they would have brought in that would have changed the scenario just to fill a final roster spot. That's not where I'm going. I guess where I'm going is um, 
if you are, because you know what? I'm not so sure that if they traded for Kevin Durant, they necessarily were prepared to go into the tax. I think that they were actually looking at ways to make that happen where they still would stay out of the tax. That's my opinion. Um, it more has to do with when you're this close, because you don't get this close that often. And you talk about you just want a shot, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it, it isn't about, and we say the main thing is the main thing, championships, right? But also what it's always been about is let's just have a chance, an opportunity to make a run and take a shot. And if you have one of those teams that has gotten this close, I just don't know how you justify seeing Jimmy Butler at the height of his powers and then not, and then like kind of slow play or be complacent or just not go all in. And what I mean by that is you could have made trades with Duncan Robinson's salary this summer, where if you were willing to take back more money than you sent out, you were going to get talent upgrades. And that is a one player deal that doesn't mess with anybody else's contracts and anything else going on. If you were just willing to take on a higher salary and increase your overall payroll for this season, which would have meant paying the tax, you could have gotten an upgrade and you didn't do that. So like, and those, as Alex talks about getting creative, that's how you incentivize a team to send you a better player than Duncan Robinson, because maybe he makes 3 million more and you figure it out or whatever, but you may need to go 7 million into the tax. That's also spending the mid-level exception, Ethan, and keeping PJ Tucker or whatever. Like, so that's, I guess, the things where I'm looking at. It's not that last roster spot. It's the things where you can you can get a Shane Battier for a mid-level. You can get good players for mid-level exceptions, and you can make trades and uh, make your team better, but you may just take back more salary than you send out, and they're not willing to do that right now, and that's troubling. So to tie the loop together here to the beginning of the episode where I was saying that this team looks disengaged, disconnected, bored, um, except for certain moments, like the boss, the second Boston game, there've been a few moments, but they don't sustain it. Okay. And they look like they don't love playing with each other. And to your point, uh, what you talked about before, uh, they also, I mean, again, they, they just look, they, they seem, they just seem disengaged. Like they just, they, they, and, and to your point, you said that they were expecting something to happen. Okay. Right. Do you think, and again, this is your opinion. Okay. Do you think that the, some of the stuff you're talking about, not making the trade there, not spending into the tax, has led in some ways to this team. I don't want to say checking out. It's too it's too soon or too early in the season to, for me to say that. I've seen teams that have checked out. I don't think they've completely checked out at this stage. But do you think that's played into the way that they've acted, performed? And all of that to to the extent that now again it's a self fulfilling cycle here. You know that you you have a team. You, you know you thought something was going to happen. It didn't happen. Then you come back. You're not in the same mindset. You're not as connected. You're not as driven. You kind of feel like we're not all in. I thought we were all in, but we're not all in. And then you start to play poorly as a group, and then that validates that feeling that like we're not good enough, right? And then we start to see, and this is happening now. Guys taking because this happens on teams that the are not successful. Out. They start taking games off, okay? Because you're nicked up, but you take the game off, okay, and all the rest of that. And I'm not saying that anybody is dogging it, so I'm not. Please don't quote me on that. But I'm saying this just happens. It, it, again, it works both ways. It's a chicken or the egg, both ways, okay? That you know, when guys are hurt, it makes teams worse, okay? 
But when guy, when teams are playing worse, more guys get hurt or more guys sit when they're hurt rather than playing through it because it's just, you just don't have the same mindset. Do, do you think that some of that is happening now, in your opinion? Well, I'm actually struggling to reconcile your question because you started with a different question than you. And I know, I'm with, all over the place today. And, no, it, no, no, but it's actually really good because it's making me think in a lot of different directions. Uh, and I'm trying to think back to what the hell you asked me initially because I. What, what I'm asking, answer. what I'm asking is this. Let, let me let me drill it. Let me drill it down. I had a great answer for the first one. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I ran you around. I ran you around a bunch of screens like they used to do with Duncan Robinson, but they don't do that anymore. Watching it yesterday. All right, the, 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 this is my question. Do you think that that ultimately the fact that they didn't do anything? Oh, yeah. The fact that it didn't seem like they were all in either because again the circumstances didn't play into their hands because mm-hmm. they were waiting for something to happen that wasn't going to happen. Or like you're saying to a certain degree, they didn't even make kind of the moves they could have made that would have had tax consequences that again, the best team, the golden state warriors are going to pay a hell of a lot of tax and they don't give a damn. It seems like, right. Okay. Yeah. They're not selling. I mean, they may not resign Draymond. They may, but they're doing everything else. They signed Jordan Poole. They did all everything else that they need to do. In your view, do you think that that's played into the way they've played? Because then it becomes a justifying situation where it's like, okay, well now you're not playing well. Now we don't. Now we're not going to pay the tax because the team's yeah, not good now enough. They're, yeah, right. it's like self fulfilling. So right. now I'm totally following you. I think subconsciously maybe some of that creeps in, but I do not believe that a Jimmy Butler led basketball team counts uh, payroll dollars the way a LeBron James led basketball team does. And I think that there are specific people around each player that just um, speak different languages. And I, I I just don't necessarily think that that's Jimmy Butler's main focus, but I will say that as they continue to lose um, or if they don't correct this, I think it'll be a bigger conversation. I was more referencing um, like throughout the summer. I just have the feeling that like Bam Adebayo expected to play with Donovan Mitchell, like Donovan Mitchell has said out loud on a, on someone's show, I, I don't remember who he went on with. He said, I was down there with Bam, playing with Bam, thinking that this was my preparation for playing with Bam during the season. And little did I know the guy I was guarding throughout this, Darius Garland, would be my teammate. So, like, if Bam was thinking, or if Donovan was thinking that Bam was, I, I just think that they expected something to be different. And when it didn't come back that way, it just leaves you kind of looking around the locker room and you say, wait a minute, this is them same guys, but we're one down. And it's like a, it's a dude who was in the trenches with you till the end. So it's just a little different when you don't replace that one guy. And I don't want to make this all about PJ Tucker. Cause I think they could have found other ways around that. Um, but I don't know that they're holding like not going into the tax against the organization in a way that would sabotage this season. Do y'all feel that? No, I, I don't feel that, but I also think what you're saying has some validity in the sense that you think you're going to be playing with a guy or you think there's going to be upgrades. And part of that is because you're living in this unrealistic social media world that we are. These players follow the same stuff that we do. They're all on Twitter. Again, we tweet something, they like our tweets, okay? They're, they're following everything, even if they don't follow us, okay? They don't hit the follow button, they see everything. 
And it's and not just they us. have people around them who who notify them of things that they may not see themselves too. Absolutely, like. and then and then we get the texts, okay, from those people. So that's that's kind of the way that this works. And and I'm I'm saying that if you, even the Bam Mitchell example, okay, and I'm not saying Bam's dogging it at all or because he doesn't do that, okay, but I'm saying like even the Bam Mitchell example. I mean, look, Bam's following the same stuff that that others are following, where like you snap your fingers and you get Donovan Mitchell. You know, w- without like the reality and the context being put in that you needed like six, seven first round picks and you needed to find a way to get those and you needed to unprotect those picks and you needed to do all those different things. And so, you know, they're not they're not getting the full story, just like the fans aren't getting the full story about like how complex this is. OK, I mean, that never came to a point where it was like the heat said no to Donovan Mitchell. It was like, OK, we don't. We don't have the assets we don't have enough. To, yeah, right. Don't have enough. Right. Like we don't have enough. And, and yes, I have reported, OK, that they were not all in on him, which meant they weren't going to gut the entire franchise to get him to get all of those picks. It doesn't mean they didn't like Donovan Mitchell. Um, and that, again, comes back to this where we say, you know, it takes you need circumstances to break in your favor. Um, this isn't a situation where they could have had Donovan Mitchell and the owner said, no, I won't pay for that. That has happened in lots of sports organizations. So it's not that, but I do think, I do agree with your overall premise, okay? That key members of this team thought something was gonna happen. And I don't know if it's conscious or subconscious that when, but when it doesn't happen and then it's the same group and you look around and you're like, okay, Boston got better. Milwaukee eventually is gonna get healthier. Other teams in the East, up, I mean, even Atlanta upgraded. I mean, DeJounte Murray's been great, right? They haven't been great, but he's been great. Like, and, and we didn't do anything. And if you don't understand all the nuances of the cap and the circumstances and who you could trade for and when you could trade them and all of that, then you may let down a little bit, okay? You may be let down, and that leads to you letting down a little bit. So I think all of this plays in. All right, we're going to close here. And again, thanks to our sponsors. We went long today and it's all over the place. So I'm sure I'm going to get clipped in a whole bunch of different ways and out of context. And that's just the way this plays out. Prize picks, use the code 5FIVE, better hedge therapist preferred, use the codes 5RSN and ODMPSI.com. I'll go to you on this, Alex, to close because we've talked about him probably the least, but this is the basketball part of it. Eric Spolcher is in no danger of getting fired. Not going to happen. Not the way this organization operates. They would be absolute lunatics to do it, okay? But I I do think ultimately that he is the one that's being asked to figure this out, okay? Because I don't think that the Heat are going to make a major move right now. I don't. I think it's going to be at least until mid-January or deeper as they get closer to the deadline, if it happens at all. And the justification of not doing it, maybe the team's out of the race, okay? If And... Hopefully for Heat fans, that's not the case. So what can Eric do right now? Oh, man. You see, and this it's this is exactly what I wanted to talk about, too. They're, the front office, with however they feel about, you know, paying or not paying the luxury tax, what they have right now, this roster, they're doing a disservice to not only SPO, which is 100% they're doing a disservice to SPO, they're also doing a disservice to Jimmy and Bam. Like you again, and we talked about it before. You saw these guys without needing another superstar. Like you know, you know, we talked about Duran and Mitchell just now, and the the other time when they went into uh, 2021, there was the whole Giannis fantasy, right? Like they haven't needed that level of player to be successful in the short term. They need guys who are good around them. 
I think, can you make that happen without spending into the tax? It might be hard. It might require that you give up a first round pick. And look, you can say a, a lot about Pat Riley and the, the reputation on him has always been that he doesn't care about first round picks, but they have not been flippant with their picks because this, this Mitchell thing, like yeah. maybe in the past, he would have opened all the doors and done everything he could to land a guy like that or, or Durant, you know what I mean? So, to make those picks happen. And obviously that's easier said than done, but the, it was a similar deal when the Harden stuff came up, you know, all those years ago, that feels like a decade ago at this point, right? Like they, it's a lot to deal so many picks and to find ways to acquire those picks because even though the heat have picks that they own you can't trade in like back-to-back years because of certain rules and so everything becomes more complicated and it seems like you know they need to pick a direction because what they have right now is just not enough and i know spo always says that it's enough but it's just not and so to answer your question Spo hasn't had his best season, but there isn't much he can do to fix this on his own without there being some sort of roster shakeup. And again, a trade isn't going to magically fix everything, but this formula is not working. They do not have enough. Right. And so like we've seen Spo uh, evolve the offense throughout this Jimmy Butler era where they used to rely a lot on handoffs and that's what we would complain about. And now, you know, they have different things they go to. They have the Tyler Bam pick and roll. You have the Kyle Bam pick and roll. You've seen over the years, you have Kyle screaming, uh, Jesus, screening for Jimmy. And, like, they have different things you can go to. You feel good about that. Bam is better as a one-on-one guy. But the thing is, all of it has come together, and it's not a good offense. So I think, like, a shakeup is badly needed. Um, Their shooting is not working out for them. They need to figure out a way to get more shots up at the rim because they can get guys touching paint and, you know, uh, making the right pass, swinging and getting decent shots, but they're just not getting up enough at the rim. Like, I just think you can't be, you know, your two best players are great at the rim and your bottom five or six at the rim every season. You got to find a way to, you know, get those up at least a little bit. And I think rely a little bit less on jump shots. And so there's a lot going into this. Like, I think their defense is good, but not, like elite and even though their defensive rating is still very good i i just think like they have to do too much the guys that they have are being overtasked they're being asked to do a lot i think spo is being asked to do a lot with again you know you talked about the the quote-unquote dead roster spots with ud with guys being hurt and um a lot of their bench their entire bench is pretty much like just undrafted players when you look at it and i just think you're asking spo to do a little bit too much you know, he can have a better season, but they, the front office needs to do their part. I think Spo has done, you know, could do better, but it's not on him. I mean, you've got one dimensional players and that, that's the problem. I mean, and that's, that's what, look, when you, when you're developing guys and this is the way they operate, it's the way they should operate. They pick a skill, right? They pick a skill that they can develop. So like, you look at a guy like Haywood Highsmith, there is a skill. He's got, he's a high level defensive player, right? That you can build. But if you're counting on him, you end up with a guy who right now is second to worst in the league in offensive rating. And so, yes, you're going to have moments where the offense is gummed up. Points per per game is an archaic statistic, okay, particularly when it's not adjusted for pace or anything like that or per, per 36 minutes or whatever. But when you take a look at where they're at, if I was to tell you before the year that their three best players would all be averaging 20, that Max Struess would be up to 14 and a half points a game, that Caleb would be averaging over 11, okay? Uh, and and I knew we were to say that they were where they are in offensive rating. And again, I know it's adjusted in some because points per game go up for players when other guys are out. So we've got to mention that. 
But this is a season, and I think this is where they're counting on Spo to fix it. They are less than the sum of their parts, but they also may have overrated their parts. I think it's both, okay? Last year, they were so much more than the sum of their parts because of the job that the coaching staff did that I think they went into this offseason thinking, okay, we're going to swing for the fences, but if we don't get who we want, we're still going to be okay because Spo's going to make it work, and guys are going to get bigger roles, and they're going to fill those roles and it just hasn't worked. And so it's like I said at the beginning of the episode. They're literally not big enough to fill the bigger roles. Correct. And then, you know, and I'm not going to blame this on Yurt being out because we don't know what Yurt yeah. would have been in extended minutes either, okay? The, the thing is this. They're all to blame, and in some circumstances, none of them are to blame. Is that is that fair, Greg? It is fair, and that is the conundrum that is life, folks. Boy, we got deep in this episode. I don't really know where I went. All right, thanks again. Thanks again to our spot. There's enough in there for me to get criticized for everything I said, which is the whole purpose of this, um, I guess. All right, everybody have a good night. Hopefully, they'll figure it out because we would like these uh, podcasts to be relevant as the season goes on. We do not want to do Wemby talk. I have no interest in that. And here's the thing about it. Could he be the perfect front court partner for Bam? Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.